0: you're listening to inside of you with michael rosenbaum thank you for being here and choosing this show as your show for the week i'm sure you have other things to listen to and do in your life but you've decided to stay with me for this for this 50 minutes for this hour it's nothing you could do it uh ryan welcome hi good to see
1: you good to see you too
0: how you doing it's nice to see you had a surprise party for your dad for his birthday for his uh 70th
1: i did yeah he was really surprised
0: that's sweet well, that's what the surprise party's for i told you i'd never had a surprise
1: party uh i know uh, you, have you is, is that you saying that you want a surprise party well no but no but one's ever you want me on. one. i've
0: always been a part of everyone else's surprise party but i don't no think
1: you can ever. ask for a surprise
0: party i'm not <laughs> anyway um thank you for listening i i ask you if you like the podcast if you're really enjoying it just subscribe it really helps the podcast and uh write a review it really works with the algorithms and gets the show more popular um and if you want to give back to the podcast our patrons save the show they really do. They are unbelievable. Thank you all patrons. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash inside of you. Also the inside of you online uh, store has a uh, smallville scripts and ship keys, autographs, all that stuff. Go to the inside of you online store. I'm on the cameo, all that. You can go to sunspin.com for any band information or um, anything you want to buy there or buy a zoom with me and Rob. Um, and, uh, on my link tree and my bio at the Michael Rosenbaum on Instagram, you can find all this stuff. So just go there. Um, I am going to say a few things before we get into this incredible interview, um, with an incredible guy. This is, uh, I became very friendly. I worked with him, incredible to work with very giving as an actor and sitting down with him and talking to him. Um, he's just, he's very open and he's, he's old school in terms of, he says, what he wants to say what he believes he you know he doesn't bullshit you and uh i really enjoyed having vincent d'onofrio legend if you ask me he's done so much incredible work and uh, we talk a lot about it and uh, we'll get into that first i want to read something for you uh also go to monster palooza in pasadena October thirteenth, fourteenth weekend, Monster Palooza. It's like horror stuff. It's totally cool if you like horror. But go get a ticket to that. It's awesome. I'm going, guys. And don't forget, please come support Inside of You with Michael Roseman live at the Regent Theater downtown Los Angeles, eight p.m. October eleventh. My special guest is Zach Levi. Zach, freaking Levi, Shazam, Chuck, all that goodness. Uh, we're really excited. Um, it's going to be a great night. It's my first live show, so I hope people show up so get a ticket and and come see me it's going to be a great night i also want to say that october is domestic violence awareness month did you know that 10 million women and men are physically abused by an intimate partner in the u.s every year for over 50 years the take back the night foundation has been working to eradicate domestic and sexual violence in all forms this month i'm partnering with take back the night to spread the word and help raise much needed funds for them to continue their good work on campuses all across the country and in their global outreach programs. Please click the link. You can go takebackthenight.org for more information and donate and help for a good cause. Together we can shatter the silence. Together we can take back the night. All right, so just a few important things. And I also wanna say I'm incredibly proud of my friend, Shira Astroff and the animal rescue mission for all the work they're doing and saving so many animals, um, it's an amazing nonprofit that I just adore. I'm on the board, and they do—they work wonders. They're magical. I wish everybody had as big hearts as they do, and uh, yeah, animal rescue mission, folks. It's uh, it's awesome. All right, without further ado, let's get into it. Let's get inside of Vincent D'Onofrio. It's my point of view. You're listening to inside of you. Michael Rosenbaum Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Hey folks, wanted to highlight something important before today's episode. In case you weren't aware, myself and many of the guests are on strike alongside SAG-AFTRA and WGA. Today's episode and any we air before the strike ends were recorded before it began. So this is just a heads up in relation to some for the topics we may discuss. If you want more info on the strike, visit sagafterstrike.org. Now let's get into it. I mean, I'm so excited. By, by the way, you really look good. I'm like, holy shit, you look just chiseled. You lost weight and you've been working the shit out, haven't you?
2: Well, I'm trying, we're trying to, we're doing this particular thing. Yeah yeah was, i'm working i'm training hard yeah does it rhyme with fair fevel? no not at all you just can't talk about that at all can you um no <laughs> <laughs> I, no you just can't like the only thing i can say is that it's a a different show and um you know that's it i mean it's really it's like it's terrible it's like that's the way things are these days you can't uh can't discuss anything and then everything i do say even if it's something very subtle people look into it the wrong way and then it becomes this kind of news thing and then uh and then it seems like um to the rest of the the cast and stuff that i'm out there talking about the show when i'm actually not so right it's like, you don't go to a lot of cons huh i you know i had a change of um feeling about them a couple of years ago you know i i i do i didn't like participating in much you know <laughs> <laughs> other than showing up on time at work and uh you know but I have to say though you know it's it you make a little bit of money and it's extraordinary I, I had this thing happen where I know this is probably very typical you probably happened to you a million times but it never happened to me before where a woman came up and it's a very simple thing. She said that her her dad was ill. He was in the hospital and that he's been a huge fan of mine his whole life. And um, we were about the same age. And, uh, um, you know, and and I asked her if, she, if, I don't know, it just hit me heavy. And I asked her if she would, you know, you're not supposed to hold up the line. I asked her if, I, if she wanted to FaceTime him. So she did. And I won't tell you what he said specifically, but he said some very intense stuff to me about his health and about um, his welfare, and and uh, a particular thing about just this little insignificant part that I played in uh, um, Adventures in Babysitting. I played Thor. Wow! At the end, and- right? Yeah, like I help them with their car Yeah. and then I give yeah. the girl my uh my winged helmet, you know. <laughs> right, right. That I kind of pull out. Of- oh no, she gives her- she's dressed as Thor and she gives me her winged helmet. Sorry. And uh because she believes that I'm Thor and I'm kind of actually in the Adventures of Babysitting World am I am Thor. And so uh at least that's what I believed. <laughs> anyway so he he you know there was this little story that he told me about that and about um how men uh have trouble with their questioning their integrity all through life you know and how a lot of men suffer from worthlessness even if they never admit it and wow. you know women women do too obviously um But this particular story was about men. And uh, that, for some reason, that hit him that I would come off of Full Metal Jacket and play that little part in that movie and look completely different. And, like, he found that to be truly inspiring. I mean, how that kind of thing happens is beyond me, but... um, So like that's I've never ever been in that position. You know, I I sign autographs all the time. I don't, I don't shy away from that. If people want pictures, I do that. I've done that my whole career. I learned from Gregory Hines um, a very good lesson about that. Yeah. So I'll tell you what Greg taught me in a minute. But but it was um, you know. So I've always I've never shied away from that kind of stuff. But I've never because I do more um, television and films than I do theater. You know, um, like in three quarters of my career is all theater. I mean, it's all films and television and and very few plays. And um, so I don't get that kind of thing. You know, I I don't get to hear what people think of these little parts that I played. And I've done a million of them because I always thought I always I don't care like how big the part is. I'll go play it if I like it, if I help anything to I know this sounds corny but you know anything to help service the story honestly that's really how I feel about it and whether it's an hour or a lead or or supporting role like I do mostly these days and or if it's a part that lasts 2 minutes in a movie I, I I love that stuff and you know nobody ever keeps me from bringing in a full character you know like even if it's for 2 minutes nobody else says nobody says like oh no you're you know like You just got to come in and say the line, like, like I'm allowed to do whatever I want, which I'm very fortunate. You know,
0: I think that stems from theater because when we're, when I'm doing plays, I remember back, it's sort of like this thing where, yeah, you do this little part and you play this, you put a hat on, you put a mustache, you put like, it's like what we love to do. And so you want to just, you don't want to be just like this. You
2: want to kind of do a lot of different fun things. Exactly. Yeah, exactly that. And so. Ever since then, I've had a completely different view about the comic cons, and so, so now I have a person that helps me with them, and and I go whenever whenever I can, you know, whenever it's not get, doesn't get in the way of my life and and my job. But it, I go. But yeah. it, but but before that, you know, I, I was I didn't participate because I felt a little shy about it, and also, I mean, shy in the way like just personally shy about it, and I also felt. Um, like, um, I wasn't like if people weren't interested in, in my career in that way, but it turns out that all those little parts that I played, and I guess the bigger ones too, people have, it, it, it have, has affected people's lives. And that's just so sweet that you can't,
0: I mean, that's just so sweet to me. I feel the same way. And, um you know, the impact that we don't even realize that we have on people and you do a role that you feel, Oh, that's insignificant. Like, no, nobody might've even seen, I, there's movies that I've done that I, you know, do I wish I never did? Yeah, maybe. But, uh, they come and they bring something to sign. I'm like, Oh my, you saw this. You were the one who saw this movie and like, yeah, yeah. My dad and I, we love this. There's a connection and hearing them talk to you about their connection and your connection it just, it, it, it just feels good. And, you know, before, you know, a long time ago, people would say, oh, you know, you're just taking fans money. And I'm like, let me tell you something. Okay. Cause I thought about it in the beginning and I, I came up to the conclusion that, you know, like I might want to go to Hawaii for vacation. These guys that go, and I used to go to conventions by myself before I became anybody. I was going to horror movie conventions with my dork friends. And like, you know, we didn't have any money getting like some guy from Dawn of the Dead to sign our picture for five bucks or whatever but this is their vacation whether they cosplay or they come for the weekend they're with their friends oh, they're, and they get they're hotel. definitely into
2: it they want oh yeah to. they're loving yeah, this no, don't feel no bad for them. these
0: these fans or oh, these are people. you kidding me they're no so way. happy like, i envy them i envy
2: the fun they have well yeah i mean there is no bad feelings at these things yeah there is you run into next to no negativity like that is a rare place for entertainers to be yes yeah and we are very lucky to be in those people's company
0: well you, you also know? were talking about a minute ago you tapped into it you're like you know i was i'm kind of shy and but you've been dealing with shyness since you were young right yeah yeah i mean you i read that you like you know you're always in your head you'd be up in your room I, believe it or not, people look at me as an extrovert. And then I read somewhere where just because you do outlandish things and you're like funny and, and you're, yeah. it doesn't mean you're not an introvert. And I That's still right. have an anxiety with people, believe it or not. Yeah. And I used to go to my room up for the, for the weekends. I never went to a dance. I never went to high school, anything. And I used to borrow my parents VCR, put it to my VCR and copy movies and just watch old movies and just sit up there and I didn't have a lot of friends and I was the smallest kid. So I understand that. What were you, what did, were you popular in school? Were you just kind of, did you feel like you oh, were an outcast?
2: Oh. No, 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 nobody, nobody knew me in school. Nobody knew me. Nobody. I, I, very few people. I hadn't, I had a good friend, Elio Medina Cuban kid. Cause like I went to school, I went to junior high, uh, most of elementary junior high and high school in, in Hialeah, Florida. And, and, uh, so my I had a few friends on the block but they were pretty nasty people um pretty tough characters and uh uh but my my best buddy was Ellie Medina. we ended up traveling across country the, uh, together in a Toyota uh, Corolla I believe um right after high school <laughs> perfect uh, we went from my from Florida from Hialeah to San Francisco but um no, no, I I don't I didn't go to my prom. I didn't I think I'm in I think maybe there's one picture of me in a yearbook my you know my hair is like down to here it's super curly, chubby little kid, you know, like like some kind of like generic motorcycle shirt, not even like a brand, just a motorcycle like with some kind of cartoon. It's like- funny.
0: It's funny because I picture you, I have this image because, you know, you play tough guys and serial killers and all these different things. But I mean, obviously you play a lot of different stuff, but I always, you know, until I met you and we ended up doing a, a Dax's movie and we had a scene that was cut out in the beginning where I was like, Oh my God, this guy's a fucking, he's hilarious. He's engaging. He's like, you know, he gives and takes and just, he's a listener. And it's, I just was like amazed by how, Uh, how cool you were and I but I had this image Vincent D'Onofrio was probably the guy in that movie um my bodyguard with Matt Dillon and Adam Baldwin Baldwin. and he's probably that guy who's kind of a loner outcast wearing that jacket but can kick
2: ass if he has to were you that guy or not as cool I was not cool at all but I did learn fairly quickly how to defend myself because there was a lot of Nasty stuff going on in the neighborhood, and so, um, but that was just sheer. And also, you know, I felt obligated to protect my older sisters for some reason, and and so like you know, and then so, the, but the group that I hung out with, um, they were definitely troublemakers, you know. So I had to avoid most of it. I mean, I was I was causing a lot of trouble. My the guy who saved my ass was uh, my stepdad. He was a firefighter. When he came into our lives, he basically got me off the street. Like, he basically did some things that my sisters and my mom don't even, never even knew about, like um, to help me out, um, straighten me out a little bit. And so, yeah, like, no, but yeah, no, I, I can be, you know, you know, Dax and I are very similar in that way. Like, we, we're idiots when it comes to, um, fighting and stuff like, we, we don't think like it, like you, the best fighters are the ones that are not afraid of being hurt. You know, like that's the main thing. Yeah. You know, that's, is very much like that. And I, I think that him and I are, are similar in that way. You know, obviously we've, we've grown up, but we, you know, for a significant amount of years now, but, um, so that's, a lot of that is I guess all of that is behind us now because of our children and our relationships and stuff. But
0: Inside of You is brought to you by nutrifol Neutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over one million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. And look, hair thinning impacts a lot of us, myself included. In fact, over half of us will experience hair thinning at some point in our lives. It's not only common, it's normal. Join over 1 million people who
1: are doing something about it with Nutrafol. Nutrafol helps support hair growth from within by targeting possible key root causes of thinning. Stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and even metabolism. Does the craziness
0: of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little more of your scalp? Has menopause impacted your hormones and your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many possible root causes at play and Nutrafol helps address them through a multi-targeted whole body approach.
1: While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy.
0: In Nutrafol's own clinical studies, 72% of men saw more scalp coverage after taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplement for six months, and 86% of women saw improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months.
1: While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy.
0: In Nutrafol's own clinical studies, 72% of men saw more scalp coverage after taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplement for six months. And 86% of women saw improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplements for six months. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific possible root causes.
1: With Nutrafol, getting help building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription or doctor's visits required, free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day. You could see results in three to six months. Take
0: the first step to help you see visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter promo code INSIDE. Find out why 4,500 professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled n u t r a f o l com. promo code INSIDE. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code INSIDE. Inside of You is brought to you by Factor. I love Factor meals, Ryan. Do you know this? Yes. Why do you know this? Because I've seen them in your fridge and you've offered me some. And you've had them. And I've had them. And you love them. I do. Because I asked you every time. Mm -hmm. Um, Look, I spent an enormous amount of money using delivery services for food or going grocery shopping and never eating the food that I buy or too many leftovers. And it's just, I waste so much money. And, you know, Factor Meals has really changed my life in a lot of ways because they have so many different meals, like 35 different meals, more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. And it takes just two minutes. So it doesn't matter how busy you are. It's two minutes to cook this stuff. You always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. And that's what Factor does. Um, I, I I just can't get over all the things they have, like filet mignon, shrimp, blackened salmon, um, their breakfast items, everything, dessert. It's it's perfect for my lifestyle. And I think it's perfect for a lot of lifestyles. Um Yeah, you can crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian-approved meals and ingredients that you can trust.
1: Keep kitchen time to a minimum. Factor meals are ready in two minutes. No shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle. Choose from six
0: menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. Warm, sunnier days are calling, Michael. Well, yes, they are. Fuel up for them with Factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, never frozen meals are dietician approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. It's pretty incredible. Head to factormeals.com slash inside50 and use code inside50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code inside50 at factormeals.com slash inside50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Factor Meals you could tell that you bring that intensity. Like you say, you've grown up, you you're married, you've got your life. You don't put yourselves in the, in, put yourself in that situation, but there is that side of you that brings out the best in your performances. Sometimes that I see that sort of angst, that sort of like dark side. And do you think that comes from those early days of childhood? Do you think that, um, do you still I think have, I,
2: the, I think my, I don't, like my good friends that are actors, the like they're they think I'm a little mentally deficient because I don't get nervous, and so like I don't get I I don't get butterflies. I think that comes from my childhood, but the the stuff during performances, I mean, that's just shit that I'm conjuring up from my my life for sure. But I'm not. It's not something. It's something that I have to bring forward again and and speak through it you know that's that's the way that i studied acting that's the way i was taught how to act you know so it's that's what i do when i when i do that kind of stuff that's all about um bringing up events and speaking the author's words through those events yeah. do you get upset with yourself do you uh
0: when you're not where you want to be in a scene how do you channel that does that make you nervous are you thinking about oh i'm, I'm letting people down or are you just like i'm just gonna i'm in like you say you don't get nervous so you don't get even first day jitters uh what how do you uh, if you're not getting through a scene if you're not feeling
2: it how do you do that how do you work through it you fail you just fail and that's fucking great i love that That's, that's i mean i know this sounds um it's a it's a little awkward to be talking about because you know i'm not trying to come across as some kind of like dude that's impenetrable you know i'm definitely you know um i'm definitely i've been humbled many times in my life and still carry a lot of humility around with me from those events of <laughs> when i was extremely humbled but um no no i i don't i i if i i believe that if you're not putting your head out on the chopping block Every time you walk out on stage or every time they say the camera's rolling, then you're not you're not doing the best you can. You you have to fail. I fail constantly every day when I'm working and and I do not get nervous about it. No, that is fucking
0: epic. I wish that I could have that that feeling I have been moments where I'm so confident you could throw anything at me and and I'm impenetrable. And then there's moments where I'm a little fucking boy and I feel like my dad's yelling at me and I'm embarrassing myself. And uh, both those feelings are so extremes that I I don't, you know, I strive for the excellence, but sometimes you, uh, you you don't fail on purpose, but sometimes, you know, I, I was talking to you at a con and I said something to you. And you kind of laughed. You told me this little story um, when you were doing law and order criminal intent. Now, the first time I saw that I had never seen law and order and I was on the TV and I stopped because I like you and I started watching you and I go, what was he doing? What? I found myself. I don't know what happened. So captivated in the way you were delivering shit and the way you were just your manners and it was like it was like you were putting it together like a real person but so quirky and like you know that like you would do these things where you're like and the, the left hand i'm just trying you were like i could see you thinking the character thinking like it was real and and i go did they like what you were doing right away in the dailies in the beginning and you were like no
2: can you elaborate on that <laughs> Well, no, they didn't like it at all. I mean, they were worried about it. Yeah. I, there was... I don't know which story I told you, but, you know, I i would save certain spots to pause in and not speak. And that that drove them crazy because, you know... But, I, you know, I was like, this is not radio. Like, you can stop talking. Like, it's okay to stop talking. And, by the way, you could cut it out if you want, you know. But... Um, There was a it was until Dick Wolf got it like he got it that that um, people were into that weirdness, that the idea that I had the guts enough to just pause and not speak for a moment um, while the the room is full of actors and the cameras rolling. Um, He he thought that that was exciting and, and he he. They he he was the one that gave me permission to do all of that stuff that I was trying to do. And um, because I used to block um those aria scenes were saved for me to block, like I would block them. And I I never changed the word. Once the script was published I I gave some notes, but very rarely. We had great writers on that show, you know, like great writers. Yeah, Yeah. And um, but uh, you know, for that kind of thing, they're they're brilliant, you know, they were brilliant. And um but but i w- i wouldn't change a word but i would block the scene i would block the scene myself like cuz i had it all in my mind of how exactly the whole thing unfolds and some of those page- some of those scenes were 12 to 15 pages long you know and so of just straight dog and we used to do them top to bottom like like a piece of theater like we wouldn't stop and then do lines like we would do it top to bottom so if you were- so there's sometimes there would be like three sometimes there would be five people in those scenes coming in and out of the room and stuff like that it was fantastic was a fantastic Kate Irby who plays my partner was from Steppenwolf. I mean, she was so ready to, to give me lessons in that kind of work, you know, like amazing. So, so yeah, that, that, it made them nervous at first, but you know, once they, once the companies like that start making money, their nerves go away.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just, I just, I find that fascinating, but also the first thing that I come that comes to mind, my listeners will know this is, how do you learn all those pages of dialogue every day? You're working constantly law and order. You're not doing like eight episodes a year on a streaming show. You were doing how many episodes? 22 to 23. Yeah. How did you, I know. I mean, how, how did you deal with that?
2: I would stay three scripts ahead It's I, I only had one choice. I can only do that. There's the only way. So, so I was giving notes on one script that I had just read. Um, the other script, uh, the the second script i would be um trying to figure out how i could actually well how to control my arc in it and then the third one would be the one that we were performing at the time and i was learning and i was learning scenes i would stay two days ahead of scenes and still be studying while i'm performing other scenes so it was like a lot of work you know yeah because
0: you had a you had exhaustion you collapsed on set like in 2004 right yeah, yeah. i mean did you know that this did you feel like this is going to happen like my body can't take this anymore i'm so f- a fucking tired. did you feel it or did it just happen how did what happened um
2: i just couldn't believe that we were working so much i just couldn't believe it, that it was okay to do year after year and um you know i learned the hard way that it was okay that like that's the way the business was and it's not like that anymore the new york times did an article about the hours the te- television hours and kate and i were you know a main part of that that article like cuz we were at the time averaging 16 17 hours a day and that 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 you know that they said that in that article like so it's like um but you know it's like today these days it's like a fucking vacation <laughs> i mean honestly nine episodes, nine episodes a season yeah you know you know granted in in network television you make tons more money but in the end it ain't worth it, it
0: yeah that's it. the thing i mean you do sell your soul in a way
2: you're like yeah you're risking you your health nasty. you get nasty i was i was you know i got to a point where i was completely um in my head and, and, and just had no patience for, for anything, uh, anything, you know, like the only people that I would give back to were the other actors and, and, and the camera crew, uh, everybody else to me was just in my way and taking up my time from getting home and going to sleep. Wow.
0: Yeah. Did they ever have a conversation with you about that?
2: No, but I have to say though, having said all that, when I left that show, I was 10 times a better actor than I was before I went on it wow
0: what For why sure. is that why is that is it the intensity and all that it
2: combined yeah, just my chops got so good like i was just my chops i i learned how to transition so much easier you know i was just used to doing film where you you do story transition transitions or emotional transitions over like three scenes or an act you know but on television you do transitions within a scene You know, big ones. Yeah. And so to be able to pull that off was, you know, it, I I think it does with everybody. It, 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 you either, it either makes you or breaks you. And you either end up, um, coming in and doing one line cut, one line cut, one line cut, which a lot of people end up doing, or you master it and you become this like machine. Yeah. Everybody does, obviously, not just me. And, um, and you leave a some a situation like that, like you know, you're 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 great at at the technical aspect of your job. Yeah, just there's, really, yeah. Like,
0: there's yeah. nothing better than getting something from a job, like when you leave, saying, "Wow, I I I'm better." Like like you said, I'm better yeah. now. All the hard yeah. work, all the shit, the exhaustion, the whatever, the in my yeah. head, pissed off, whatever it was, all that prepares you for maybe something that you're not even aware of.
2: Yeah. I was sent this, um, footage from a film I did in Australia when I was younger. I think it was like my fifth film or something It's called it was with Rucker Howard, Joan Chan and myself called, I think in Australia, we shot it in Australia. It was called salute of the jugger. It was like, a it was ar- around Mad Max time. It was like around the third Mad Max time, like in that area. And, uh, it was like a post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic movie about a team called uh, that played this sport, fictitious sport called jugger. And we went around in this post-apocalyptic environment, walking through the desert from, from stadium to stadium, playing this game. Wow. And anyway, I recently saw an interview that was done on set. This is before law and order. This is like early on in my career. And I was like, what a fucking prick this fucking kid is. Oh, my. God. How did anybody, like, honestly, it's like, how could anybody sit next to this fucking jerk off? Like, oh, my God. In this interview, I was like, I don't know what the fuck was going on in my head. I was like a penis with arms and legs. No fucking brain. Just erect and ready. Just like <laughs> It like so stupid. I've done that. I've been there. I know what you're saying. So stupid and so like, you know, embarrassing. Oh, my God. This
0: show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up, and you don't know what to do. It's going to come out. slash inside. Inside of you is brought to you by Shopify. You know I use Shopify. You guys go on the, you know, inside of you online store and you see how easy it is to navigate for you. It's so amazing. Shopify, I can't think of anyone else that would do this
1: Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify
0: helps you turn browsers into
1: buyers with the internet's best
0: converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell
1: more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way.
0: Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Inside, all lowercase, shopify.com slash inside now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash inside. Inside of You is brought to you by Neurohacker, Qualia Synaletic. Let me tell you something. If you haven't tried this, you are missing out. I just sent this to my mom. I have it. I use it. For up to $100 off and use code INSIDE at checkout for an additional 15%
1: off. That's slash inside for an extra 15% off your purchase. Well, but, uh, that's all right.
2: We do. Well, of course it's all right. Yeah. But it's like <laughs> unbelievable to watch it. You see yourself and it's literally like a, a different, different person.
0: person. Yeah. You know, I wasn't going to ask you about this because you've answered every question. People have talked to you about it ad nauseum. So, I, but I do myself an injustice if I didn't bring up something about it. But, like playing, and, I, and you can tell me if you even like talking about it, but playing Private Leonard Lawrence in Full Metal Jacket. Um, I'm sure you've been asked everything. My only real question really is it's so intense, those moments. And I just was, was any of that improvised? Was any of what he was saying improvised? He wasn't even an actor, right? What's his name? I'm sorry. Lee. Lee Ermey. Lee Ermey. Who was brilliant in everything I'd seen.
2: Yeah, so him. what would happen was he, he, you know, he did, he was a drill instructor in real in real life, mm-hmm. you know, for, for many years after. He, You know, this guy did three tours in Vietnam. He went back twice. He volunteered to go back twice. That's so stud. Um, wow. So he was there, you know, like for all the shit. He was in the shit for many years over there. And you know, you know, showed us his bullet holes and everything. And uh, honestly, like the real deal. And um, but he has, so he had an abundance of, from being a drill instructor and being around in that life his whole life, in that world his whole life. He had abundance of things to say. But Stanley, so he would he would just say them, spurt them out, and Stanley would then type them all out, word for word. But then Lee would have to then do them every time so he kind of dug his own grave because he was sort of at the time just barely an actor and uh not not to rate his ability because his ability was amazing but he had just you know he was green still in my mind he was green still even as a young man i was like this guy this guy's green you know and um but uh and that was my first film so like I didn't know any different, but no, there was no improvising, uh, but you know, so in a way he was spitting out improvisations, but right. not when the camera was rolling.
0: Yeah. It's almost like, you know, um, cause I remember watching the documentary on the shining and like, you know, Stanley's mm. always typing on his little typewriter. I wait, I yeah. Wait. And, uh, you know, Jack would say something, you know, little pigs, little pigs. And yeah. then he'd be like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, he's like adding stuff. Um, really
2: happened,
0: yeah. Yeah, was he intense with you? Did he want? Did he was he intense as a director because he wanted you to feel that or not at all?
2: No, he spoke very little. Didn't talk about story. Didn't talk about acting. Didn't talk about the scene. Never, nothing ever, ever, ever. How he many takes? At, the most I did was nine, and that was for the blanket party when they put the soap in the towels and beat me up. We did nine of those. The big scene, the big famous scene, um, they say, the big famous scene anyway, it's, it's uh, um, you know, when I kill the drill instructor yep. and I shoot myself, that, that we did three times, you know? And then we did a, an effect for the blood in the wall, and that was it. What? I mean, all you hear is 100 takes, 90 takes, 50 doors. I'm well, not like he didn't do that with other people, but not with us, not with Matthew and I and, and, um, and, and Arliss. Like, we never... Matthew Matthew Arliss and, and and their team, when they were doing the Vietnam stuff, they got stuck behind that wall. There's a wall that they're behind before they go into the village right at the end when the sniper gets – right at the end of the first act when the sniper uh, – second act when the sniper gets killed. Remember all those guys get shot in that one yep. little area? They were behind that wall for, I believe, around four months. So – and it was merely because of the way Stanley made movies. You know, he was very – different than anybody i've ever worked with before you know he if he if the light wasn't right if the if if the if the scene was flat he he wouldn't shoot he just wouldn't shoot did you ever see him angry not like like you mean like screaming and yelling and yeah. stuff no because you, no, you no. see it again in the shining in the documentary you see it damn it Shelley! you knew it was there oh come on
0: Yeah, well, they had a particular (laughs) relationship. Yeah, Yeah. some people say it was deliberate on his behalf because he wanted her to, you know, But I don't know if
2: that's That's true. I don't know what it was, but it was pretty, you know, pretty devastating for everybody. So I hear and um, no, it wasn't. But for me, it wasn't like I wasn't there for a lot of the Vietnam stuff. I was only there for the you know, I was there. I was there in England for it, but I wasn't on set. I only went on set a couple of times. I did. I won't say who, but I did experience he came in. He, he let me sit next to him. I was learning when they were shooting the Vietnam stuff. They shot that first. I was learning monkey patrol and marching monkey patrol with the rifles, you know, the spinning and then the marching. And I was putting on the weight and um, learning all the how to t- take rifles apart. I was doing all that, sort of like a pseudo boot camp, but without the boot, you know. Right. And and uh, there was one day in particular, I remember where um, just because I was you know stanley kubrick and i wanted to see him direct you know cuz i'd seen all his movies and um he came he he let me sit next to him during this one particular scene and he had a megaphone they were like everybody was like about 50 feet away and they did 72 takes and this one particular actor did 72 takes how was the and actor every take a, a you know stanley would say like stanley had this thing where he would clear his throat He'd go <clears throat> before he would speak every time. And so over the megaphone, you'd hear <clears throat> like um it's uh take 69, uh so-and-so. Um let's try, let's just try to get it better. Click. <laughs> like, what is the actor? I mean,
0: what are you thinking? You're like, you're you're beyond embarrassed at this point. You're beyond like, I don't, is it me? Is it like I mean, did you see some act? Did you, when you were on set, did you see any of the actors like that actor like
2: falling apart? Like falling apart is a big word. I mean, not happy. (laughs) I mean, you know, not happy. You know, nobody's happy in those kind of circumstances. Everybody wants to get the day done. And I think that, I I, I think that was about a two day period they stayed on that one particular actor until he got it right in in Stanley's eyes. You know,
0: did you ever, um, talk to stanley again was it at the premiere did he come up a to couple of
2: times on the phone there was no premiere not that i know of. i mean i certainly didn't go but i don't do that kind of thing but it's um especially when i was younger i didn't do it these days i've gotten try, i try to be more civilized about it <laughs> <Right>. but, uh, <laughs> but but when i was a kid there was nobody pushing me to do that kind of stuff so i just didn't do it you know but he but he um no we talked a few times on the phone um but nothing. We weren't like I didn't. We, I wasn't like best friends with him or anything. I know a lot of people say that they were, but but I, I definitely wasn't. He he helped me tremendously by just trusting me so much. Like he gave me one direction the whole time I was there, and it was a brilliant direction. And I was very lucky that we were on the same page. Like I was extreme. It was like a, It was like Christmas. What know, was I, it? I've told the story a million times. Oh, you have? Was, okay. I don't want to tell you if you told it a million times, but he gave you a direction I, that changed everything. Well, that big night, he gave me an incredible direction before we shot it the next day. Um, and it and, and it just so happened that, that you know, luckily I was thinking along the same lines. And so I went in the next day and we just did three takes and it was done. How
0: many? Um, how many times have you been on a set where you're just like, I don't like the director or I don't like the actor I'm working with? and is that really difficult do you have to sort of suck it up or do you let it is impossible for you not to just say to show your colors like it's fucking stupid I'm not fucking doing it I'm like, I mean you know because I've worked with some directors that I mean I almost, I almost got in a fist fight with the director. I've told that story where I just charged him and uh but I was I was actually actually, actually right in the moment and everybody knew it he was just absolutely belittling and degrading and me out it, it was it was the worst thing ever and i just have never felt like that and somebody just in the middle of it like right before the ca- and the camera's rolling ad goes hey hey just uh just let's do let's talk after this yeah and the crane's coming down and the girl i'm with her like she are you okay i'm like no and on act the camera's already coming in we're talking and i just beelined and they grabbed me and i was like you don't fucking ever talk to anybody like that again
2: and it was just like oh my god i couldn't even but believe- i i was scared because i never do that You know, it's hard to put yourself in any circumstance. It's like it's hard to put yourself in a servient position if you don't respect the person. That's a very difficult thing to do. And I need to be in that position as an actor. I need to serve the story. Like I want to serve the day. Like that's I feel like that's my job. You know, that's why I get paid. You know, to service the story. And so I need to. truly be put in, I need to put myself in that position, you know, put me in my place because you're so fucking amazing and talented. Like that's what I need. And um, it's very, very disappointing when that doesn't happen. It's very disappointing because you feel lost, you know, and then you have to start taking over and it's not your job to take over. And that's a terrible position to be in. But, you know, I find that the men and women that I've worked with, um, the ones that are born directors they just can't imagine them doing anything else. You know, they, they, Oh, you know, they never make you feel like that. They never make you feel like they don't have the, uh, the, uh, the, they're not steering the ship, so to speak, you know? And, right. And then you feel totally like part of the crew and like, okay, let's go. I'm with you hundred percent, you know? And then you, I show up in the morning, I'm always on time. I'm always fucking prepared. And, um, I mean, we've worked together. You know what I'm like. I'm open and yeah, ready and and you know whatever you guys want to do is okay with me. You know yeah, but, um and I'm a bit of a smartass at the same time. So oh, it's yeah. like oh yeah, yeah yeah. But you know, so it's like uh, you know, hey, what you know, see but, is what you I'm get. Like I, I have to say though, um when I was a young when I was younger, I had a lot less tolerance about this situation that I'm talking about about not feeling like I'm in the right position that the that the that the people that I'm supposed to be that are supposed to be in charge are not do are not talented. And that's uh that when I was a kid, that used to make me I, I used to get worried and I would I would start to try to take over and I would, you know, I would just take over. And and but I don't, you know, luckily um my career has gone is is very much under my own control and there's been good things about that and bad things about it but it is under my own control yeah and and so i put myself in situations um 99.9% of the time where i'm working with extremely talented people and i haven't felt lost in a long time now when it comes to television it's different because in television the director is not doesn't have the same position right as it does in a movie like it's a completely different thing so you get used to there being 50, 50 there's some amazingly talented ones and there's some people that are just there recording the day, you know? And, and that's not very inspiring, but yeah. what the fuck?
0: Do you ever, uh, have you ever been pissed? Because I, 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 you're such a pro, you always know your lines. You, you Like once you walk on set, everything's behind you. This is, you know, you have everything under control, like you said. Have you had actors where you're working with them and they don't know their fucking lines and it's throwing you off and it's really pissing you off and you said, learn
2: your fucking lines? I've taken some actors for walks, yeah. I'm glad you didn't take me for a walk. (laughs) Yeah. I'm very nice about it, but I've I've given um like lessons were given to me when I was younger in theater. Mm -hmm. Um I I I I'm I can I can give a lesson. I'll give a lesson out every once in a while.
0: Rightfully so. What would you say besides TV work? And obviously it was incredibly difficult, but what's the one role that you can recall in your career that was the hardest? on you physically mentally the hardest part to play and then the most rewarding the rewarding part could be a different role
2: yeah they're they're all different that way though like for instance law and order was so rewarding because i was a better actor at the end of it but it's definitely not worth the money you know the 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 trouble it it the pressure it put on my family and the pressure it put on me and it was definitely not worth the money and so I don't feel the only reward I got from that was I was a better actor, which is a pretty good reward. Yeah. You know, Um, the Full Metal Jacket was, will always be my favorite experience because it was my first experience, you know, in, in a, in a real film, you know, like a, with the, with a top director, like if not one of the best in the world ever. Yeah. Um, I have to say the part that I'm playing now that I started on Netflix, the Daredevil show is um it's a he's a crazy motherfucker this guy like he's so like real and emotional and he's like a big baby and a fucking monster at the same time and it's very you know we have on the netflix show as well we had the opportunity to put him in somewhat normal situations we felt he fell in love he got married um in 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 the in the new stuff we're doing he's in normal situations as well so the play uh, even in Hawkeye and in and in and Hawkeye not so much, but in Echo and in which is not out yet, which, which precedes the new Daredevil Born Again show. The we he's in positions in um where like he was in Netflix, where he's the same guy, but he's in a very normal position. And to play him in a normal position, like in a normal environment like you or I would be in, is just batshit fucking crazy. It's like so fucking hard to do and so fucking crazy and the shit that's going on in my mind when the camera's rolling is just fucking batshit stuff like honestly like i i get to the point where <laughs> i cannot um, wait to see this man do you do you
0: like when you're rehearsing it do you rehearse it in a room where there's nobody else and just kind of lash out do you have a, a, somebody you read the scenes with and really give it all or are you just quiet about it and do
2: your own thing and then and f- figure it out on set I no, I, I I have a plan, and then most of that plan goes out the window. This is very normal, right? That's always happens with the actors, as you know. And so, but I have a huge I always have a big plan coming in and and I don't push it on anybody. If I feel like the blocking is throwing the scene off, um, and we're pushing against it and pushing, I'll try and I'll try and I'll try and I'll say, I'll just stop and I'll say. I don't know if everybody agrees or not, but I just want to put something out there. We're we're pushing up against the blocking in the scene. We need to change the blocking. And then it's like a breath of fresh air. Like everybody's like, oh, thank God. Like, like, yes, let's change it. And then we change it. And then the scene starts rocking, you know, and uh, you got to have guts to do that. And I learned from the best that you have to have guts. Um, some of my peers are amazing at stuff like that. And uh, like Ethan Hawke, Ethan, Ethan, Ethan's in search of the scene constantly. And if you're pushing up against it, like he he says right away, no, like let's just, just you know, like this is not right. I've been in scenes acting with him that he's done that, and he's been in scenes acting when I've done it, and I he's been I've been directed by him, and so you have to be there. But but no, I stay very very calm, even if. Uh, but but just before you know, because we've been on sets for a long time. And we know when think, when you're about to roll. Like I get a sense immediately my radar picks up. I got five, maybe 10 minutes here before we start roll, And that's when I go in. So the action doesn't really mean anything to me. I'm already in by the time the director says action. I'm there.
0: Inside of You is brought to you by Rocket Money. If you want to save money, listen up. <laughs> I don't know how, how to tell you this other than f- this really works. Ryan went through this. Mm-hmm. We have so many unwanted subscriptions that we forget we have. And, uh, you know, there's so many apps nowadays that we just get lost. And, you know, I'm not very app savvy. And, you know, I'll watch a streamer. And then the next thing I know, I forget that I just watched one show and I'm still subscribed to this after six months with Rocket Money. They take care of you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings.
1: Why don't you say, did you know that nearly 75% and end at... Did you know that nearly 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about?
0: Yeah, I'm one of those people, Ryan. Ryan. And between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it's never-ending. Thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses.
1: I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps.
0: I love the dashboard and how it shows me this month's spending compared to last month. I like doing that. Uh, so I can clearly
1: see my spending habits. Plus they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you.
0: Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions. That's simply astonishing. Saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. Inside of You is brought to you by neurohacker, Qualia Synaletic. I just sent some of this to my mother and she's starting to notice the differences. Hmm in herself. And she, because I noticed my mother was always had brain fog and, and she couldn't think clearly. And, and, you know, and, and I, I was like, well, this stuff works for me. And what's great is I didn't even, they weren't even a sponsor when I started using this. Um, have you heard of syniletics yet? Well, listen, it's a class of ingredients discovered less than 10 years ago, and they're being called one of the biggest discoveries of our time for helping to promote healthy aging and helping to enhance your physical prime your life goals in your career and beyond require productivity but let's be honest the aging process is not our friend when it comes
1: to endless energy and productivity that's why i use qualia senolytic as we age everyone accumulates senescent cells in their body
0: Senescent cells may cause symptoms of aging, such as aches and discomfort, slow workout recoveries, hello, sluggish mental and physical energy, hello, associated with that middle age
1: feeling, hello. Also known as zombie cells, they are old and worn out and not serving a useful function for our health anymore, but they could be taking up space and nutrients from our healthy cells.
0: Much like pruning the yellowing and dead leaves off a plant, qualia senolytic, helps remove those worn out senescent cells to allow for the rest of them to thrive in the
1: body. And you just take it two days a month. That's it. The formula is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all ingredients together. And they must believe in their product because they have a
0: 100-day money-back guarantee. It's pretty amazing. I felt higher energies. Uh, I feel uh, more focused. Um, Younger. I have to say, because a lot of these things make me feel younger. I feel more uh, productivity happening in my life, a little more enthusiastic. Help resist aging at the cellular level. Try Qualia Senoletic. Go to neurohacker.com slash inside for up to $100 off and use code inside at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash inside for an extra 15% off your purchase. Thanks to Neurohacker for sponsoring today's episode. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The products and statements
2: are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So wherever I got to be, I mean, I can get ferocious on set. Like, I can be ferocious and loud and emotional. And, like, I don't give a fuck what people think, like, honestly. Because you're getting into it. You don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Uh, Whether it's crying or screaming or, or laughing or whatever the fuck it is, you know, Crews are meant are taught not to put their hand in the cage anyway. I mean, so what the fuck, you know? And and I so, love this, man. I love it. <laughs> you know, and I and I just I, I just go, um, yeah. I go all the way. So by the time action is said, I'm right when action. I'm there with dialogue. Boom, I'm in, like totally in. I love. And, that. Uh, wow. You know, but I but most of the time I spend on set is is calm and sociable and and uh, I'm just you know. You're Listen, passionate. kids, you're it's passionate. about the homework. You know, it's about your homework. It is. If you do your homework, if you put in the time, learn your lines, and do your homework, figure out the scene, know where you were, know where you are, know where you're going. If you've done all your fucking analysis of the story that you're telling, then you can show up at work and have a great fucking time. And then when you know the cameras are going to start rolling, you go where you need to go. Do you hear that, actors? Yeah. Do your yeah. fucking homework.
0: Me included. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I haven't done my homework and uh well I fail. Um, you know it's what I, I would have loved to have seen you in of Mice and Men. You you played Lenny, right? I've played him, but not not where anybody
2: would see it. Yeah.
0: No, like, back like way back. This was back in the day, right? When you played a, cool. in, in school. school. But I kept thinking of you like when I read that I was like oh my God I'd love if he did have a mice and
2: men now like I, I love never, Malkovich and I a- you know why I never got the chance to do it why because when I was when I was the right age to play that part it was a popular play they were playing it everywhere, everywhere and all the movie stars were doing it and I I wasn't enough of a name or to get that part on a big venue ever and that's that's why I never got a chance to play it which was fine with me because I saw I went and saw all the productions of it, and I saw you know if it came if, back now, would you do it? I'm too old to do it, too old for the part. Yeah, because you have to be like in your thirties, right? No, when I was thirty, and that part was being played all the time. It was even at Lincoln Center, and like it was like amazing productions. I saw of it even in England. They used to do it. It was amazing. Wow, I would just yeah. love to, the chance to see you go.
0: Um, do I get to tend the rabbits, George? I just fucking want to see that,
2: man. All right. Well, I don't think you're too old. We did do it. My um, in the American Stanislavski theater. uh, Which is where I studied for half of my studies. And then I was uh, then I was learned method acting after that. But with a woman named Sonia Moore had a theater group. And I believe um, I did the play somewhere in those years along and during that time. And it, and it, we were a little young for the parts, me and my friend Steve, but we we did it anyway. What it what fun.
0: what makes you laugh? Like, who do you find funny as a comedian or an actor that you're like, this is funny. This this guy makes me
2: laugh. You mean in real life or in their work? It could be both. Well, Chris Pratt's a funny fucking guy. I love that guy. Yeah, I mean, Dax and I can make each other fucking laugh. D- Dax is funny as shit. You know. And we have the same kind of weird sense of humor, and it's it's very. I, I find them hilarious, and and his wife, uh, Kristen, just, and, and he, you know, she just makes me fucking laugh like crazy. And they also send me they send me stupid shit all the time. <laughs> Two of them sitting, you know, before they go to bed at night, and they have this idea about my life or something, and they'll send me this text that they've sorted all out, and they've even written stuff out about my family tree and stuff it's so fucking funny <laughs> <laughs>
0: if you uh have you ever heard yeah. his will for wilford brimley
2: Do i do i know who that was yeah no, of do you know that
0: have you heard his impression dax's impression of wilford brimley <laughs> oh it's really it's I, in fact i just uh hold on you know he played he played a clip on me on his ju- uh paul rudd episode so i'm gonna fucking it's gonna be a record gold winner this year So when your little ones come in cold from building a snowman, warm them up with an extra thick bowl of Quaker oats. Mm, It's good. Mm, It's awesome. Mm, It's goddamn American. (laughs) (laughs) Just ridiculous. Um, This is awesome. All right, look, I'm going to quickly get in. This is called shit talking with Vincent D'Onofrio. This is my top tier. It's rapid fire. So it's top tier patrons. I love you. You guys support the show. Thank you so much. Uh, Patreon.com slash inside of you. Uh, Mike F., what has been the role that you found to be the most fulfilling? You said the first one, pretty much. Full Metal Jacket, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. and then I would say uh, The Whole white World was uh, uh, was a... At that time, was the most uh, emotional journey arc that I played in a character. So, so that was fulfilling as well.
0: Lex says... The cell is one of the most underrated psychological thrillers and visually stunning. Do you have any behind the scenes stories or a favorite memory from the filming? You weren't, I mean, s- terrifying people. If you haven't seen the cell, it, I I can't even describe it. It just goes to a place where you're like, I remember going like, I felt like my body was just, it wasn't good.
2: Our, our Sam Danwar directed that. And he's, I've worked with him twice. Um, we also did a, a a version of Wizard of Oz called Emerald City for NBC, uh, which was one season, and uh, it was that just to work with him? He's an amazing visual artist. And anyway, so um, so he he wanted me to do that. He wanted me to play that that part, and I had just done like Salt and Sea, and I played some other kind of weird killer guy. And I was like, you know, I'd rather just play some kind of normal dude. <laughs> and and he he was like, no, you should really. Think about doing this part, and I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I will. It's happened a couple of times in my career, and and the director convinces me. And how Tar uh, I believe it was him that sent me the tape. He was a commercial director. He hadn't done very much um, stuff. He did the fall, I think, already which is a whole other story I'll tell you about someday, but um, how he actually made that. But anyway, so he, he sent me a commercial lady. So imagine you're looking down at a blue tile floor. You're about 20 feet above. The shot never moves. It's just composed perfectly. All you see is blue tile. You're about 20 feet high. Camera never moves, never zooms in, nothing. A guy walks out in robes, tattered robes, you know, got it's got that kind of Middle East kind of feel just blue tile, carrying a bucket of water. He walks out. So you're just looking down on him as he walks out, and he puts the bucket to the right of the center. He walks back out. He comes back in, pulling a goat by a rope, walking a goat in. He The coat walks to the middle of the frame. He drops the rope. He takes out a fucking knife and cuts the... This is all really happening in real life. He cuts the goat's throat. The goat, the, the goat falls over. The blood comes out of the thing. The guy picks up the bucket of water and goes like that and washes the blood across the blue tile, the red blood, and it says, travel Asia. There's a commercial. What? And I'm like, I called him and said, "I'm in." I'll do it. Oh my god! And it yeah. was a real goat. <laughs> yeah. So you knew this guy's vision was going to be. shot it, by the way, there on location in India. Like, jeez. it's not like he did it. And He killed a goat for like a movie. He killed a goat because they killed goats, many goats a day.
0: <laughs> oh my
2: god. Uh, Stone Age, how was your experience with filming the
0: Magnificent 7, Rapid Fire, and was there anyone in that amazing cast who you had never worked with before that you really look forward to working with again?
2: Yeah, yeah. No, like every one of those guys were fucking brilliant. Denzel's amazing, obviously. He's like one of the best. Oh actors. yeah, wait a minute. I do know that one. Yeah, Chris is in that. We Chris yeah. and I wrote by that. Ethan's in that. I made uh a uh, really good friends of Manuel Rufo who is now in um, Lincoln Lawyer, stars in Lincoln Lawyer. He's he's amazing and Martin Sensmeyer, who's the most handsome actor in the world, he's this Native American kid who's, his talent is growing and growing and growing. He's going to be a huge star, I think, Martin. It was uh, so much fun. It was unbelievable. We had way too much fun to get paid for it. Like, it was <laughs> so much fun.
0: I love that. Uh, K- Kristen B last question. My son, Caleb's a huge Jurassic world fan. What was it like working with animatronic dinosaurs in the movie? Any fun, funny behind the scenes stories you can share?
2: Yes, there is. So they had these guys walking around in le- little leotards. They were like a little dinosaur dance troupe. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's a scene in, uh, and the, and they were very serious about it. And I'm sure very helpful, but, um, there was a scene where I had to get, um, sort of eaten and, one of the, the raptors come in and kind of pin me against this wall, and, and I couldn't do it with those guys. I couldn't do it with the little guys, the little, the leotard guys. Did you and yell at them? Get them out of here! Get them out of here! Well, I was just like, I was just like, I can't. Like, can you just like, you have a dinosaur head you can stick on it? And um, and they did, and they put the dinosaur head. Uh, the same size as like the actual uh, <laughs> animatronic raptors. And, and um, yeah, so they put it in the stick and I acted to the guy, to the head of that. So it was much easier, but I couldn't do the dance trip. No, do it. Uh, you do any impressions?
0: No, not one impression. No, I bet you could do a really good. It's different, a lot different, but in the cadence of a John Malkovich. I guarantee if you watch in the line of fire when, when fucking Eastwood goes, you have a rendezvous with my asshole motherfucker. I guarantee if you watch Malkovich go, no, what you couldn't possibly know Frank. And he does this thing. I guarantee you could
2: fucking kill it. I'm not. You're much too talented for me. I can't, there's no way. I. You don't do any impressions. No. You were never
0: that guy growing up, like memorizing quotes or did you ever do that? Like, what was your favorite movie growing
2: up? Um, my favorite movie. (laughs) You don't want to know. My favorite movie. was Willy Wonka. No, actually it was a much more deeper, intense film than that. It was um, a midnight cowboy. Oh, wow. On Schlesinger film. Great film. Wait, that's where he says I'm walking here. Right. Yeah. But, um, no, I don't do, I'm not, that's not, like, that's not my, I'm not talented in that way. I'm, I'm barely, barely talented. Like, I'm like right on the fringe. You have a
0: children's book. You sing people. I mean, you're an actor, director, producer, you teach at Strasbourg method. Like you, you do a lot of shit, man, but you can't do impressions. So I got one on you, bro.
2: Yeah,
0: man. <laughs> I like the
2: Malkovich you just did. That was pretty fucking good. Thanks, man.
0: I, 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 like I said, I never left the house when I was a kid, so I do tons of impressions. And that's what I, you know, that's kind of. Well.
2: Yeah, now I can, I'm good at doing like, I'm good at producing you. you like, I can change postures. I can do accents. I can do all that stuff. Like I can, I can create something that seemingly has never been seen before. Seemingly, because I, it's all really its all really variations on variations on variations. Really, but I can do stuff that people think they've never seen before.
0: I, I always say you're one of my favorite actors. You're one of the nicest guys in Hollywood. I really believe, I can't believe you have it yet, but you're going to win an Oscar someday, whether you like awards or not. I, there's no, I mean, nobody would be shocked if Vincent D'Onofrio won a
2: fucking Oscar. And the winner is, oh, that's about fucking time. Wait, he hasn't honestly, won one? I think I'm in a different business than that. I I'm, I honestly don't ever see that ever happening. What? Like I just, it's, no, I just don't see it ever happen. Well, I always have the same answer, which is this exact answer I'm telling you. I just don't feel like I'm part of that circle. Like, I have some amazing friends in this business, men and women, that are incredible artists. And, um, you know, uh, I just don't feel like, you know that i'm you know allowed into that circle really. but
0: i will say whether you think you're part of the circle or not i don't i never thought i was part of any circle i'm like still the kid up in the fucking room but i believe that sometimes you do something and that leaves no choice for those other people outside the circle than to recognize something that everybody obviously recognizes so with that See?
2: Yeah, it would be a raise. So I'd get a bump in my pay if that happened. But
0: almost. also your career would go downhill, because once you win an
2: Oscar, you know the story. Yeah, and how boring is that? Like To actually get an award for acting? It's like, really? Like, I wa- it's not like, <laughs> not like Daytona like 500. You know <laughs> I, I, mean?
0: I want to know where you would keep the award, though. If you got
2: an Oscar, be honest. Don't be like, where would you keep that Oscar? It most likely would go somewhere. It wouldn't be out on a shelf, that's for sure. It would go in in the we call it the gimp room. Bring on the gimp. Why? Why would it be the gimp room? What's the gimp room? It's just, it's just a room in the in the house where like all the crap is in there. It's like from a Tarantino movie, like kind of thing. Like a, it's just like a like that's where all the nonsense it stays. It's not. It's in boxes. It's not like a beautiful room. <laughs> it's like just like there's like boxes of stuff. Every once in a while, my daughter will go in there and straighten it up for me. Or (laughs) It's like it would go directly, most likely, into the – It's either that or one of my sisters would grab it or something.
0: All right. Well, if you win an an Oscar someday, you got to promise me to take a – You'll take a selfie picture with it and send it to me.
2: I'll take a selfie in the GIMP room.
0: In the GIMP room with the Oscar. This has been awesome. I'm not taking any more of your time. I love you. This was – honestly incredible i love talking to you hopefully you'll come on again i hope it was easy and not bad that was so easy dude thank you man thank you you rock buddy
2: thanks dude man i
0: appreciate it i'll see you later man legendary man i mean that interview was just you know sometimes i forget that i'm i'm just like a fan sometimes i'm a fan now i've gotten to know him a little better so i don't feel as much like a fan but like initially when you meet someone that you're enamored by or you love their work it's kind of exciting it's like ah you're a little nervous and um he can be intimidating but he's also hilarious and friendly and giving and um after spending a few hours with him in Salt Lake City. I just, uh, I really love that guy. Vincent, thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate it, hopefully, you come back. And by the way, any of the stuff I talked about, uh, cameos and inside of your online store and all that stuff, you can go to my Instagram at the Michael Rosenbaum. Go in the link tree. Everything's there. So you could do that. And don't forget, October 11th, October 11th, 7 p.m. Or is it 8 p.m.? I have a live podcast inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum is live downtown Los Angeles at the Regent Theater you can also go on my Instagram at the Michael Rosenbaum the link tree get tickets Zach Levi Shazam Chuck the list goes on he is going to be my guest it's going to be a fun night get tickets there might still be meet and greet tickets for the show beforehand so do that all right without these top-tier patrons Ryan the show wouldn't be we lo- we love our patrons isn't that thats is true patreon.com slash inside of you become a patron I'll write you a message and um, there's so many perks so many fun things it's like a family become one let's do it Nancy D leanne Kristen little Lisa Yukiko Yukiko Jill E Brian H in the camp Nico P. Robert B. Jason W. Sophie M. Raj C. Always got something to say that, Raj. Uh, Joshua D. Jennifer N. Stacy L. Jamal F. Janelle B. Ashley Ryan. Mike E. Eldon Supremo. 99 more, Santiago M. Chad W. Leanne P. Maddie S. Belinda N. Dave H. Sheila G. Brad D. Ray H. Tabitha T. Tom N. Talia M. Betsy D. Angel M. Rhiannon C. Corey K. Deb Nexon, Michelle A, Jeremy C, Brandy D, Joey M, Eugene and Leah. I haven't seen you in a while. I want to see that kid. Corey, how are you? Angela F, Mel S, Christine S, Eric H, Shane R, Andrew M, Amanda R, Jen B, Jen, Kevin E, Stephanie K, Jorel, Jamin J, Leanne J, Luna R, Mike F, Stone H, Kayla, stay wild, Moonchild. Brian L, Kendall L, Kara C, Jessica B, Kyle F, Marisol P, Kaylee J, just talk to Kaylee. Brian A, Ashley F, Marion Louise L, Romeo the band, Veronica Q, Frank B, Jen T, Nikki L, April R, Derek N, JDW, Calm Bomb, Ginger, Insomniac, Rachel D, Lorelai L. We love you. Thank you so much from the Hollywood Hills in Hollywood, California. I am Michael Rosenbaum.
1: I'm Brian Teas. I'm here too.
0: Brian <laughs> Teas is here. We love you guys, and uh, thanks for, for thanks for listening. And uh, I appreciate
2: you. Be good to yourself. <laughs>